Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry bringing you the Word of God. Once again, it is always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. We're so grateful that you're connecting with us, so grateful that you're watching or listening, how it is you're connecting. Once again, we're going to go to the book of Psalms, and I'm going to go to Psalms 34. And real quick, you know, we've been talking, started last week, talking about a series, I'm going to call it God Is, okay? God Is. Now we're going to talk about the character of God, who God is, the, God's manner, His ways, praise God, who He is, amen, bring description of who God really is, praise God, amen, and we're going to let the scriptures do the talking. So last week we talked about how good God is. In fact, our, our key verse there was verse 8 of Psalm 34, and it just says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, praise God. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, taste and see. In other words, perceive and experience that the Lord is good is what it means. Amen. And so that we began to talk about that, I felt in my heart to start there with this series because I feel like everything that you begin to find out about God, who God is, what the Scripture has to say about God, all of it comes out of God's goodness, of who God is. He's good, and He's good all the time, praise God. And that's what we emphasized last week. Today, praise God, we're going to go to the, uh, stay in the book of Psalms, we'll go to chapter 145, and I'm going to talk about that God is merciful, praise God, amen. That's where we're going to go with this one today. God is merciful, 145, let's see if I can get to it here, there we are. And uh, verse, um, actually I want to read verse 9 first, and then I'll back up here. And it just says, the Lord is good to all, amen, there it is again, and his tender mercies are over all his works. So that was verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies, there it is, are over all his works. Or in other words, over all his workmanship, amen, all his deeds. It literally means... um, Everything's revealed uh, in his expressions, okay? In other words, his tender mercies are over all his works. Everything you see about him, we see his tender mercies, okay? Tender mercies uh, is a word. It's hasid, which just means uh, covenant kindness. Um, You know, tender mercy obviously means favor. It also means uh, good deedliness, okay? So that's why I thought it was a good one to bring this one next because it kind of follows uh, God's goodness, okay? So it's good deedliness. It's a word that refers to compassion, okay? All this is going to come up as we get into this. Compassion, uh, charity, empathy, sympathetic towards uh, understanding, um, a sense of joint interest. I thought that was kind of neat, a sense of joint interest, okay? Now, uh, the reason that's kind of, to me, that means something is because you get in the New Covenant in Romans 8, uh, you know, like verses 16 and 17, it just talks about in there how we're children of God. And if we're children, they're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So in other words, what we're trying to bring out here is that God looks at you and has joint interest in you. Okay, so his mercy is there for a reason. His compassion is there for a reason. See, his, his willingness to look out for you. Amen. Uh, to cover you, to protect you. All these kind of things is because of the fact Amen. He has joint interest in you. Praise God. I just thought that was interesting. Amen. So let's, still in Psalms 145, let's back up to verse 8 now. And it just says this, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. There it is. Slow to anger and great in mercy. Okay, great. Okay, that word great. In fact, I, I'm not sure. I think it's the one of the 
Uh, maybe it's the Amplified or something, but it talks about, um, let's see if I got it here. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I thought I wrote that down, but maybe not. All right. But it, just, it means like boundless, great, boundless, I think is what it is, unlimited. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. But the point I'm trying to make with these verse 8 and 9 here is that we see his covenant kindness is, is obviously a part of his character, a part of who he is, a part of his personality, his ways. And everything about it, this really defines this covenant kindness, this full of graciousness, you know, full of compassion, slow to anger. Okay, all of this is, in a sense, a piece of this mercifulness. Amen. Him being merciful, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The Psalm uh, 136, let's turn there. We'll kind of get through a little bit of this. And I got some things out of the Old Covenant I want to touch on first, and then we'll get into the New Covenant. Psalms 136, amen. Again, now let's remember that uh, mercy, okay, again, the Hebrew word for mercy is hasid, okay, and it, it refers to a covenant kindness, okay, that's why it referred to as, you know, God has a sense of joint interest in you, see, it's, it's about covenant, okay, it's a covenant kindness, okay, and it's just, it's just a powerful word here. All right, so uh, Psalms 136, we're, we don't have time necessarily to read all of it, we'll read piece of it here, uh, it obviously kind of speaks for itself what the emphasis is here. Uh, verse 1, it just says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. You notice how it starts there, right? Giving thanks because He is good. Amen. And good all the time. And His, here we go, His mercy endures forever. Okay, now just for whatever it's worth, 26 times in this psalm alone He says that. Okay, 26 times. I think He's trying to make a point. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, amen, so he's talking about all creation here, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, uh, uh, for his mercy endures forever. Now, obviously, it defines that. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. Obviously, these are the great lights he's talking about there in verse 7. The point we're trying to make is God's mercy endures forever. He goes on to talk about uh, delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. Amen. All of this because of his mercy endures forever forever. Obviously, God's trying to make a point here. Praise God. We're still in Psalms. Let's go like Psalms 116. We're just kind of letting this unfold here. Remember the idea of this series, God is, the idea of what we're doing here is trying to let the scriptures do the talking here. Okay, now obviously we're going to give some insight, you know, along the way, but the idea is to let the scriptures do the talking, to define God's character, to define his nature, his personality, his manner, his ways, to define who God is, praise God, amen. Uh, I have found, just for whatever it's worth, I have found that the more you get to know who he is, a lot of the questions get answered. I just find that a lot of them just get eliminated, actually, because a lot of the question marks that people have about God and about the things of God, a lot of times just by knowing who he is, it begins to answer that for you, Amen. Amen. So we don't struggle with certain things. Uh, again, verse 1, Psalms 116, verse 1. Uh, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Now hang on to this. 
because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. I love this. Hallelujah. The pains of death surround me. The pains of, uh, 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 pangs of, of Sheol, or which is hell, okay, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Now, in other words, I'm reaching out here. I got all kinds of trouble going on, but I reached out. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Now, I want to back up and just show you what he's talking about here. Okay, so he's talking about now there's all kinds of stuff. This, uh, the psalmist obviously is calling out to God because there's all kinds of issues going on. Verse 3, it talks about the pains of death, which if you kind of look at your cross-reference, the word pains there means cords, but it's talking about literally uh, a man wanting to die. I mean, he's got so much going on right now. The pressures, uh, mental pressures, the, the pressures in his soul, his emotions, his mind. Okay, what it's talking about here is he, he feels like he just wants to die. Okay, that's what it means by the cords of death. In other words, in other words everything's trying to like t- suck the life out of him, okay, is what's happening right now. He feels like he just wants to die, okay? The pangs of, uh, of Sheol, which means torment from hell, is what it means, has laid hold of me, okay? In other words, he's talking about this demonic attack, this mental attack, uh, this uh, attack by the enemy upon his soul, okay? I have found trouble or anguish or distress and sorrow. The word there means grief. Okay, it means uh, heartbreak, it means regret. It's just kind of a wide uh, list of synonyms for that word there. But he said, then I call upon the name of the Lord. And of course it says, oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. In other words, because he obviously knows that's where the problem is. Okay, so he called on God. Now obviously, see, all this is happening. So what's he do? He calls on God. Now, okay, this, we're talking about a gentleman here that's in a place right now mentally Okay, that's pretty serious business here. The guy just literally wants to die. Okay, he literally, okay, is, is, is overtaken by anguish and, 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 and grief and uh, heartbreak and regret. Okay, but then he recognizes, okay, that if I call on God, and that's what it means here, he called on God, deliver me here. Okay, and God did. Amen. Gracious, verse 5, is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful praise God obviously the gentleman uh, got delivered and obviously he wrote the psalm right so obviously he must have got his victory praise God amen hallelujah turn with me if you will to Deuteronomy now I'm just like I said I'm jumping around a little bit in the old covenant first Deuteronomy please and we're going to go to chapter 4 of Deuteronomy and I want to try to best I can define what this means to be merciful all right So obviously, this individual, as we read there in Psalms, got, you know, experienced God's mercifulness, okay, God being merciful, okay. Um, He was in trouble, and chances are, you know, to really lay it out there, the reason that he feels like God is so merciful is because, in all honesty, all these issues and pressures that are hitting him, a lot of it could just be self-inflicted. A lot of it could be a decision he made or choices that he made. And yet he called out on God and God delivered him. Now that's mercy. All right, now hang on to this. Chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Okay, verse. Uh, I'm going to read like verse, uh, let's do 29 here and read a few verses. It says, but uh, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you seek him, here we go, if you seek him with all, with all your heart and with all your soul, 
when you are in distress, here's that word now again, I'm just talking about pressure, literally it's, it's tribulations, this word also means. Okay, so it's talking about trouble here, pressure from trouble. All right, distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days. When you turn, when you turn, that's what the emphasis here now, when you turn to the Lord, your God, and obey his voice, in other words, yield to what he has to say, okay? For the Lord, your God, is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. In other words, there's that covenant kindness. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Now the point we're trying to make is, you notice he says that even though stuff has gone on, stuff has happened, maybe based on choices and decisions, yet if you'll just turn to God and just start following God. In fact, let's give you another reference. Let's do 2 Chronicles, okay? Since we're, we're, we're back here, let's just do it. 2 Chronicles, chapter 30. And, you know, I've been, uh, a lot of my uh, Sunday services have been, you know, talking a lot about our patriarchs of faith, and so a lot of these kind of statements get made in the midst of some of these breakthroughs and miracles of God that happen and and let's well let's look at it here and then we'll kind of we'll talk some more about this verse 9 let's go and do that he says if you return to the Lord your uh if you return to the Lord I'm in 30 verse 9 if you return to the Lord your brethren or probably your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who lead them captive so that they may come back to this land, for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Now the point is being made, and this is kind of the statement that we see kind of throughout the Old Covenant, uh, primarily through the Old Covenant, that every time, you know, the problem that the children of Israel had was a lot of times they just got doing their own thing. And pretty soon they start putting God on the back burner, so to speak, and stop giving attention to God, and God's trying to lead, and they won't follow. And so all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, and stuff begins to happen in their life. And for long, more happens, and then more happens. Next thing you know, they're taken captive. And now they got an enemy that's, that's, that's over top of them, controlling and dictating. Now, this is all types and shadows for you and me to learn from, because when you choose not to follow God, and you choose just to ignore God, you know, the enemy comes in there, swoops in there, stealing, killing, and destroying, trying to dictate and dominate, trying to somehow take authority over you or take away your authority, so to speak, even though he can't, but sometimes deceives us into thinking we don't have authority or dominion. That's another sermon, by the way. But the bottom line is this, all of a sudden he begins to take control, talking about the enemy. Well, the scriptures make it real clear, and you, you see this probably a hundred times in here. Now, maybe that might be a little exaggeration, but, but for the most part, you see it a lot in here, where if they would just turn to God, it says, just turn to God, turn to God, turn your face toward God, and it says, and God will be merciful. Amen. Turn to God and, and then start giving heed to what he has to say, and all of a sudden, that mercy of God begins to kick in, that compassion. What else was that word defined as? That uh, charity, empathy. Okay, sympathetic, you know, or literally a sympathetic understanding. 
a sense of joint interest, okay? Uh, you know, this tender mercy, this covenant kindness, this good deedliness, this favor all of a sudden begins to manifest on your behalf. Oh, hallelujah, child of God. All right, now, with that said, let's look at the new covenant. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, please, where we'll start in there. Oh, hallelujah. Hope you got an ear to hear it. All right. Now, remember, this is part of the character of God. You know, the other day, and I'm, I don't know if I'm worthy of bringing it up, but the other day I was just, sometimes I enjoy uh, looking at um, interviews and things like that, people being interviewed, you know, usually people of, you know, of high uh, stature, people of, uh, you know, that have done great things, whether it's sports figures, whether it's uh, maybe uh, uh, people in, in politics or people, maybe uh, actors, things like this. I kind of enjoy listening uh, to them as they're being interviewed sometimes, just to kind of sense, find out, you know, the things that maybe uh, blessed them as they grew up, things that maybe fed into them that caused them to be the kind of person they are now. Now, of course, some of these people are saved, and, and many of them probably are not saved, so sometimes you've got to kind of weed through it all. But, but the bottom line is sometimes I, en I enjoy some of that. And the other day I was listening to one, and, and I'm not going to call out his name, but uh, I'm sure most would probably know who it is, but... Uh, this gentleman is obviously a very good actor, um, very brilliant too. The guy's got a brilliant mind. Um, and so somebody started asking him some things about God. It was very obvious he didn't think much about God. Um, so that, I guess, there you go. But the bottom line was somebody had asked him, you know, what would you do if all of a sudden, you know, you, you, know, you left this place and you go on and now you're standing before God, okay, what would you, what would you do? And this gentleman had some answer that basically said, I'm going to call God out on the carpet for all the bad things he's done. Okay, now he said a few other things, but that's basically what he said. Well, obviously he doesn't know God. Obviously he doesn't have a clue about God. And he obviously doesn't have, if he doesn't have a clue about God, he definitely doesn't have a clue about our enemy. But I've got to thinking after I heard that, and this is the only reason I'm mentioning this, is because I have found that even a lot of people in the church have the same kind of viewpoint. Okay, where they're thinking somehow that all this bad that has happened that goes on on planet Earth or maybe some of the bad things that happened in their life, somehow like God was behind it. God is not a killer, stealer, or destroyer. He's not the one that oppresses. He's not the one that brings chaos and confusion. He's not the one that does any of those things. We have an enemy, and the enemy's really good at keeping himself hidden, kind of staying you know, in the background, staying in the shadow, so to speak. And he loves the fact, I'm talking about the enemy, loves the fact that you don't have any clue about him. Now, it's understandable when the world doesn't know, but it's a sad thing when the church doesn't know it. All right? So I just thought, you know, all of this series is really about trying to bring some clarity about who God really is. There's a lot of misunderstandings about things. But the thing we need to understand is God really is good and good all the time. And God really is merciful. And God is just waiting for someone to, you know, if you've fallen from, you know, turned your uh, face from God or you have no longer, have never made, made uh, Jesus Lord of your life or you have and due to some circumstance or situation, you've turned from God. God is just waiting for you to turn your face toward him and call out on him. And you're going to find out how good God really is. And you're going to find out how merciful God really is. And so I'm hoping that comes out here today. So back to Ephesians chapter 2. Praise God. Thank you for letting me have a, a minute or two on that. Verse 1, okay. 
And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, isn't that the truth? At one time you didn't know him. You were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, you, 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 know, you were, in a sense, dead. Okay, You weren't alive unto God yet. It says, in which you once walked. Now, of course, he's talking to the church. So he's making it past tense here. In which you once walked according to the course of the world. That literally means the, uh, the, way, uh, the way it always has been or forever will be. That's the course. That word course means, okay? So it's talking about the way of the world. And the world is, is the world. It's, it's kind of been that way. And the God of this world, talking about the enemy, okay, Satan himself, okay, has set up a system in this world, and it, it always functions a certain way. And that's why the word says, don't be ignorant of how, how it works, okay? In the world, there's a certain way that it works. And it's probably always going to be that way until one day, amen, the return of the Lord, all right? So the point is, okay, you used to walk that way, okay? Now, hopefully, is what he's bringing out here, you're not going to remain that way, amen, right? When you made Jesus Lord of your life, okay, everything shifted and changed. So he explains that. He said, uh, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, talking about Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, in other words, those who have not accepted yet, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. In other words, the world is the world. And one day you were in that world. And one day you thought like they did and acted like they did. Okay, but now it's different, right? But God, here we go, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, means literally abounding, okay, wealthy in mercy, right? Because of his, because of his great love with which he loved us, okay? Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, this all happened. When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's what he's bringing out. Okay, you now, right now, have been raised up together with him. Seated together with him. Okay, that's where you've been positioned in him. Amen. You're now a part of a different kingdom. A different family. Hallelujah. A different way of thinking. A different way of doing things. Amen. Under a different God. Oh, hallelujah. And he says that in the ages, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now this is all, amen, it says this is all because of a God that's rich in mercy. Look at this, okay. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, I love this, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, there's a lot said. could preach a hundred sermons probably just out of this text. The point is this. He's talking about because he's rich in mercy, all of this has happened, right? Because he has a love for you. Because he has compassion for you. Amen. Because of that covenant kindness. There he is. Amen. He's a merciful God. He's rich in mercy. Now, it talks about a transition that takes place in your life. Amen. That every, every believer, this transition happened in their life. Now, he also talks about grace, amen, that, and he's pointing everybody toward their future, all right, how bright your future is because of the grace of God. Now, many a times we've taught from behind this pulpit, 
the difference between mercy and grace, amen, and probably today ain't going to be much different. Okay, now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the thing of grace because we have taught on grace many times. But mercy, of course, is that thing that's, that settles that thing, that disconnects you from all that stuff that keeps you out of what you're called to or who you're called to be, amen, in God. Okay, so when there's all these kind of issues back here behind us, mercy is that thing that comes on the scene that helps disconnect you from all that mess. So you can fulfill your future. Amen. So you can draw on now that grace, that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Amen. That grace from above. Amen. That you could have that grace now to empower you to move forward. But he says in the beginning of this thing, because of a God who's rich in mercy. God disconnected you from all that stuff that holds you captive. Amen. Because of his mercy. That God, God transformed you and changed you. Because a God who is rich in mercy. Amen. Life was made new. Old things have passed away because of a God who is rich in mercy. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, child of God. Hallelujah. God who's rich in mercy. Praise God. A God that points you towards your destiny, towards your future, because he's rich in mercy. That's what this text has to talk about. Let's look at the book of Titus. Praise God. Small book, only a few chapters in it, and just about basically a page of reading. But in chapter 3, verse, uh, I'm going to go to like the verse 4 and 5, and it just says this, but when the kindness and the love of God, or pardon me, but yeah, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which he have done, which we have done, pardon me, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, again, he's bringing out, see, how mercy had a, played a big part of this. Okay, God is merciful. Okay, I, I think this just has to be, has to come alive in us. God is merciful. See, we always think God's so quick to condemn us, so quick to get on us for something we've done wrong. And we've all done wrong. We've all messed up. We've all come up short. We've all have had times where we didn't listen. And we've, we went our own way, did our own thing. But God is so merciful. And so what happens many times, the enemy somehow or another slithers in there. And I'm talking about the church. I ain't just talking about the world here now. These are letters to the church. And sometimes the church itself still has no understanding about how merciful God really is. God isn't looking to condemn you. He's looking to set you free. He ain't looking to condemn you for the mistake you made. He's looking to somehow set you free from it. And mercy is that thing that'll set you free from your past, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at another one. Let's go to 1 Peter. Hallelujah. Hope you're hearing this, child of God. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, I think I might have even read, used part of this reference in our Sunday service. But I'm going to kind of just briefly take another look at it. Verse 3, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. And it just says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. Now that word again means boundless. Okay. In fact, I think the Amplified even might even use it in there as that. It means boundless, limitless. Okay. Abounding or abundant mercy. Amen. 
has begotten us again to a living hope through, amen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Of course, it goes on to talk about that. Amen. Now, of course, I focused more Sunday. Uh, this is the, the Wednesday after uh, Resurrection Sunday. So we did use that. We talked about that and, and emphasized that. Today, I just wanted to show you that accord, it says that everything happened according to His abundant mercy. Everything happened according to His abundant mercy. All of this happened, all this transition, all this that's available, everything that's available for you, amen, happened because of an abundance, boundless, limitless mercy. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Now, this word living hope uh, means an anticipation or expectation of a greater future. It means foresight of better days, okay? So, again, we're seeing really the, uh, a revealing of the heart of our God, amen, a God that's rich in mercy, okay? So what he's saying is that you have a future, amen, that's available. God isn't looking to condemn you. He's looking to empower you. He's not looking to hold your past against you. He's looking to release you from your past, amen. And that mercy is there to do that. That's even why when he says, you know, when you come boldly to the throne of grace, uh, it says to obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in time of need. Okay, grace is there at, at, the, at the throne of grace, amen. But isn't it amazing that even mercy is a little piece of that, right? Because mercy is what releases you from the past, while grace is the thing to empower you for your future. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, that stuff excites me. Okay, let's go to Luke 15. We're going to look at a couple stories here before I let you go today. In Luke 15, a common text uh, many times referred to as the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. And I uh, want to just kind of take a few minutes and look at this. Hallelujah. And let's look at the story here. Verse 11 is where it starts. Luke 15, verse 11. And it just says, uh, a certain man uh, had two sons. Now, there's two sons mentioned in the story here. And the younger of them, in other words, the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And it says, so he divided to them his livelihood. In other words, amen, he basically told dad, I want my inheritance early, okay? I don't want to wait around till someday you pass on. Okay, I'd like to get part of my inheritance now. I'd like to go do something with it, kind of a deal, all right? Well, not many days, he, obviously his dad did it, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together, gathered everything together he had, and he journeyed to a far country. Now, this wasn't good, okay? None of this was good here. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's where we get this uh, prodigal son thing. Amen. Prodigal living. Uh, the word prodigal itself just means wasteful or riotous. Okay, so in other words, he just, he just took that inheritance and blew it is what he did. Okay. But when he had spent all there, uh, pardon me, when he spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Well, because he, he doesn't have anything else. Okay, now he's out. Uh, then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. In other words, he, he basically... Uh, entered into a place of covenant, okay, with a, with a foreigner here, which, again, is a wrong thing, okay, and there, there's a lot to be said about this because uh, a lot of this is covenant talk, so hang on to this. So he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him, in other words, this citizen he, con he connected with, sent him to the fields to feed the swine, to feed the pigs, which, again, is a no-no for, a, for uh, uh, an Israelite here, okay. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. In other words, he, he basically still got nothing. He worked for nothing, basically, is what he's saying here. Okay, so that happens sometimes when you, uh, you know, you connect or covenant with the wrong source here. Hello. But when he came to himself, I love this. So he came to himself. He stopped. He's looking. Okay, he's a change of direction, a change of thought. 
okay? He came to himself and he said, how many of my fathers, so now we know who, what he's looking towards here. He's now thinking about his father. Now all this here is a type and describes really in a sense the heart of our heavenly father, okay? Now he's talking about his earthly father, amen, and he's, he, now he has a change of thought. See, uh, you know, the beginning of the story, he basically said, Dad, I want nothing to do with you. Just give me what's mine. I want to go. Okay? So he goes, blows everything, has a bunch of issues, a bunch of problems. All of a sudden, he wakes up and goes, what the heck am I doing, right? Well, praise the Lord. Okay? But then he has a change of thought, a face that gets turned back toward where it needs to. Listen. Okay? He's now thinking of his father, okay, different than he did probably the day before or a month before. We don't know how long this took, maybe even a year before, whatever. The point is, is now he's looking toward his father, thinking of his father. Okay, so his face is now turned towards that. Okay, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? In other words, even my father knows how to take care of his servants, knows how to take care of the ones that are working for him. All right, I will arise and go to my father. I love this. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, there really wasn't anything wrong with what he said because he understood the magnitude of what he did wrong. Okay? But I think he had a little bit of a different understanding of who his father was. His perspective of his father was off, which a lot of times, this is where a lot of children of God are like. Okay? They blow it, they make up, or make a mistake. They, uh, you know, now all of a sudden they uh, turn back toward God and they, they want things to be fixed, things to be right, but they, they assume God's going to be mad with them. Oh, hallelujah. But guess what? It says, he arose, verse 20, and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. There we go. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So in other words, we're seeing right now a covenant kindness that's going on. Okay, this is mercy at work here, okay? So, so his father obviously was waiting for him, was watching for him, was hoping to see him someday, and all of a sudden his son pops up over the hill, so to speak, and his father sees it, recognizes it. Now get a hold of this. The son said to him, verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Now here's his whole speech, okay, that he had prepared here. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay, but now the father interrupts him, right? The father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring. It's talking about now this is all this is all covenant stuff talking here. Put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. In other words, let's 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 cut covenant again here. And this, my son, was dead. Okay, and is alive again. He was lost. Okay, and is found. And they began to be merry. And, of course, the older son comes into the picture. But my point I want to make is, okay, is the fact that this man finally turned toward God, okay, or toward his father. Okay, now it's to you and me. It, it speaks a story of us looking toward our heavenly father, okay. And when he did that, even though he had a little bit different perspective, he didn't really understand his father. Just like many times we may not, okay. We think somehow we got to do penance. You know, the scriptures, um, I don't necessarily have them all wrote down, but I believe it's Hosea 6 brings out, I think Matthew 9, Matthew 12, I think there's some other places, but it says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice or not penance. 
See, a lot of times we think God's always, you know, we blew it, so now God thinks we all need to do penance, okay? For some reason, we got to do a bunch of stuff to somehow make things right. When all along, that's not how God thinks. God is merciful, all right? In fact, James even brings out in James 2.13 that mercy triumphs over judgment, okay? So mercy triumphs over judgment, all right? So uh, we need to recognize, amen, and look at this story that this really is the heart of the Father, our Heavenly Father, amen, a Father that is looking for you that if all you will do is just turn and look toward Him and say, forgive me, in other words, there's a heart of repentance there, a change, all of a sudden God's mercy kicks in, His compassion, that covenant kindness begins to kick in on your behalf, praise God, amen, to get you released from your past to get you pointed towards your future, praise God. Hallelujah. One more, let's look at one more story before I let you go here. And in John 8, please, John 8, hallelujah. Again, where we see the mercy of God at work. <clears throat> hallelujah. I think the thing that we need to recognize and what we've been seeing here, and we're going to see it here again, that, that even though you've made a mistake or you've blown it or you've, you know, you've come up short, you didn't follow when you should have followed or you ignored God when you should have been listening, and you know, God's trying to release you from that, trying to get, get you past that. A guy ain't condoning sin. He's not justifying the mistake. Okay? He's not condoning anything. Okay, he just says, listen, the best way for you to move forward is to get you released from your past. The best way for you to walk in the power of God, that grace to empower you to move forward, is the quickest way to do that is to lean on the mercy that sets you free from the thing that would hold you back. And I hope you're grabbing this. Now, what we have here, um, um, John 8, uh, let's go to like about verse 3 here. And it says, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him, talking about Jesus, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had uh, set her in, in the midst, in other words, so obviously they dragged this woman. Jesus is ministering to people, but all of a sudden these guys interrupt. They drag this woman. You can imagine the scene. It's probably, probably an embarrassing scene for this woman. The thing I always kind of wonder about is where's the guy? You know, if, she, if she's caught in the very act of adultery, where's the guy? But anyway, that's probably another story. But the point is this. Here's this woman now being drugged uh, out into the public and now in front of Jesus. Okay. And it says, uh, and they set her, set, set her in, in the midst and they said to him. So really they're just doing this to try to, try to trip Jesus up is what they're doing. Okay. And it said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? So they're just trying to trip him up. Uh, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. In other words, doodling on the ground or whatever. Now, some, some say he was writing certain things. Could be. We don't know that. All I know is I believe with all my heart what was going on is he's waiting for the word of the Lord. Word from above. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. So I believe what he's doing right here right now is he's just trying to stay cool, get the word from God, amen, before he does anything here. All right? So he's down writing on the ground, and it says, and it said, as though he did not hear. Okay, well, we know he did hear, but 
He's acting like, okay, he's just staying cool, all right? I love this. I, I think Jesus was the coolest cat that ever walked the planet, all right? Anyway, so when they, they continued asking him, in other words, they assumed he was just either ignoring him or didn't hear what they said, whatever. So now they're trying to say it again. Okay, so they continued talking to him about it. He raised himself up, and then he said to him, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. In other words, if you, you think that this needs to be done, if you think this has to happen by the law, okay, any of you right now that are without any kind of mistake or sin in your life, go ahead and throw the first stone. Well, again, he stooped down and began to write on the ground, which tells me, amen, he's just uh, you know, staying cool, just kind of staying out of the picture a little bit, see what the heck they're going to do, all right? It says, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, okay, I love this, they went uh, out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Okay, uh, I love that, beginning with the oldest. In other words, the older ones got it probably a little quicker than the young bucks. Okay, but anyway, they all got it and they all left, right? And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, left alone in the, in the midst of, there were still people all around. Okay, there were still people around, but the ones that brought her have all left now. So, uh, obviously, in the group here, there was all these Scribes and Pharisees, there's, there's these, uh, uh, the woman, there's him. Okay, then all around the perimeter is a bunch of people that are listening to him minister. So, but all the people now that are standing with her are gone. All right, so uh, he says to her, uh, verse 10 now, so when Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Now, these are all key words, okay? Where's the accuser? Remember, the, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Now, sometimes he uses people to do it, but understand who the actual accuser is. Now, you got to hang on to that. That's, 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 that's huge. Okay? It's the enemy that accuses. It isn't God. It's the enemy. And he says, who's condemned you? I mean, Romans 8 is so clear about that. You know, it's the enemy that condemns. God doesn't condemn. Jesus doesn't condemn. See, this, this is a part of the nature. We're finding out who God really is. And she said, no one, Lord. And, he said, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. I'm not condemning you. But he said, go and sin no more. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making excuses for you either. I'm not condoning what you did. I'm not justifying your mistake. I'm just saying I ain't here to condemn you. But I'm telling you, go and do it no more. Don't do it because all you're going to do is keep bringing this mess on yourself. And I love how Jesus operates. Well, this is your heavenly Father at work. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So this is how your Father thinks. All right? Jesus spoke to them again, saying to all the people around, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. In other words, won't be subject to this kind of mess. Okay? But have the light of life. In other words, if you follow me, if you hear me and you follow me, you ain't going to have these kind of things happen to you. You're going to walk in the light of God. You're going to walk in the blessing. Amen. That word here, light of life, talks about this uh, revelation experience of, of absolute life, uh, abundant life. Amen is what it's talking about. Amen. Some of the things we talked about earlier on. Amen. So this is what he's talking about is everything God has is available to you. All right. But that mercy is there to cover you and release you from that mess behind you. But child of God, you're going to have to leave that mess behind you. Turn your face toward God and watch what God will do for you. Now, as I said earlier, I'm going to quote it again in James in chapter 2, verse 13. It just says this, that mercy triumphs 
over judgment. I think one of the translations says that mercy rejoices over it. Amen. It literally just means it boasts itself superior to judgment. Amen. Uh, exalts over it. Amen. Uh, full of glad confidence with no fear of judgment is kind of what it refers to. In other words, when mercy's on the scene, judgment's gone. Judgment has no place. Now, judgment's out there. And believe me, child of God, if you don't turn toward God, judgment will slap you upside the head like a big dog, and it will mess your life up. All right? Nobody wants to experience that kind of harvest. Nobody wants to experience the mess of judgment. Okay? And I'm talking about the, a, a negative side of judgment here. Okay? That's what he's kind of referring to here. Mercy triumphs over that. That's why it always pays to look toward God, to keep leaning into God. Amen. And if there has been a mistake made, amen, he's not here to condemn you. He's here to release you from that mess. And all I'm asking, child of God, is look to who God really is. God is good and God is merciful. I hope you got something today. Father, I give you praise and glory again for this people, for uh, the fact that they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and again, for opening the eyes of their understanding. Thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that you are merciful. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.